0: Good evening. evening. Thank you, Tripp. It's a great privilege for me to be here with one of my very dearest friends. I was born and raised in South Carolina, but can you believe I've never been to Somerville until now, and I'm so glad to come here. What a beautiful church you have, and what a beautiful um, campus you've created. I just love the flow of it, and it's just good to be back in South Carolina. When I came in yesterday, I stopped in uh, Walterboro on my way in at a service station, went inside to get a drink as soon as I walked in the door, a young lady behind the cash register said, Hey, honey, how you doing? And I said, I'm back in South Carolina. You know? We don't get many hey honeys in gas stations in Florida, unfortunately. You know, Maybe I'm a little crazy, but I think the absolute most important thing going on in the world today is what's going on in God's church. If indeed we truly believe that the church is God's own creation, that it's his idea, not ours, that he raised it up, he empowered it for a purpose, if we believe that when Jesus ascended to heaven, the Holy Spirit was sent down to raise up and empower this body of people who might be the ongoing presence of Christ in the world. You know, he's not with us physically anymore, right? He's at the right hand of the Father. But the Holy Spirit came to empower his people that we might be his body on the earth that his body might continue to live on the earth we become his feet and his hands and his voice as we love and forgive and proclaim his truth if we believe that the whole bible from genesis to revelation is about god seeking to restore his fallen creation and that it culminates in the crucifixion and resurrection of jesus And that when Jesus was resurrected, this powerful resurrection life was unleashed upon the world. Not just something you get when you drop dead, but a resurrection power that is available right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that God works that power through his church, through his people, for the good of his world. If we really believe those things, then we have to believe that the church is the most important thing going on in the world. Now, sometimes I get the impression that we think, Hollywood is the most important thing with all that craziness, or Wall Street, or all that mumbo-jumbo in Washington, because that's where we give all our attention, all of our energy, all of our worries are focused on Washington and Wall Street and Hollywood. And here's the thing, that's nothing, that's secular junk that will pass away. But what God is doing through his church is forever. He's seeking to redeem the created order, right? To create a new heaven and a new earth. And he, he calls his people, raises them up that he might work through us to be his voice on this earth. And it doesn't matter if, if we're talking about some little clapboard church out in the country or if we're talking about a, a group of Christians gathered in somebody's home or if we're talking about a big cathedral in a city. None of that matters. What matters is if it's faithful people earnestly seeking together to be true to the word of the Lord Then what's going on among those people, even when there are arguments and disagreements and there has to be forgiveness and there are all kinds of boring, mundane things and exciting things, too, all that stuff together becomes enormously important if it is God's own work in the world. I love the church. I have probably this ridiculous, romantic notion of the church because after 30 years as a priest, I've seen so many wonderful things happen through God's church. I've seen so many lives transformed. I've, I've seen marriages that have been completely restored, marriages that you would never have imagined would be restored. I've seen uh, black and white, male and female, and rich and poor be able to come together as one family because of the cross of Christ. I've seen sinners who've been able to, to have a new beginning. They've been accepted when they weren't accepted out in the world. They were warmly embraced and loved into a new life in the church. It's a place where little children for the first time learn who Jesus is. It's where teenagers are given identity and hope. I think the work of God's church is the most important thing going. And let me tell you what, have you noticed what's happening out there in the world? It's nuts. I mean, the world is just crazy. Can you you believe how much has happened in such a short time in our world? Tell me the world doesn't need more than ever God's hope and God's truth and God's transforming love. Amen, you better believe it. But here's the thing. If we do believe that, if that's really something we want to amen about, then you, St. Paul's, in choosing a new spiritual leader, have done an enormously important thing at this juncture in your history. After months of careful discernment and prayer, and I know it was months because I was talking back and forth to trip over and over, praying for God's will and discernment. After all those months, God led you clearly to be together, St. Paul's and Father Tripp. And so this is a new season in your life, a new beginning, a new opportunity to build on the good work that God has obviously done here for many years, to take it to the next level, to hear anew the voice of God for this church. Okay, Lord, you've done great things, obviously, you've blessed us and we've been able to bless others because of you, but what do you want for this next season? What will you do with us now to be able to listen afresh to God's voice so that you might again follow him with courage and energy and determination for the sake of Christ? In my mind, that's exciting stuff. It really is. That's why I've been in the ministry for 30 years, because that is exciting stuff. Truly. What could God do in this church over the next 10 years? How could he grow this church? How can he take the wonderful gifts and strengths that you have and use them in even more powerful ways out in the community of Somerville? How could God help you take this wonderful building, all this beautiful property, and use it in even more powerful ways to be a strong light of Christ out in the community of Somerville, the kind of place where people want to show up because they know that transformation, something's good, something good's happening over there, new life and joy and love and truth. What can God do in these next 10 years? I think this this Anglican thing that's been bubbling up, you know, around our nation, I think we have a unique opportunity with all of this because I think because of all that's going on out there in the world, because of all of the change and the uncertainty and the turmoil, people are looking for a steady ship. Uh, They're looking for something that's rooted in the ancient church. They're looking for something that has depth and strength and staying power. They're looking for God's clear word. And we have an opportunity to make a difference by standing up with love and with clarity for that word. But, there's always a but, isn't there? But, what could prevent this from happening? How could it be undermined? Because let me tell you, whenever God's church is beginning to do a new and wonderful thing, what happens? Things get in the way. Satan starts working trying to undermine it, trying to put up roadblocks and barriers, causing division and confusion so that this new and exciting work is not successful. I'll tell you what I've seen in 30 years of ministry. I've seen that fear and control and unhealthy competition are things that Satan uses over and over to undermine the work of God. A new priest comes in, and he has new ideas and new hopes and dreams, and he makes some changes, and some people become immediately fearful. Oh my gosh, what else is he going to change? You know, last week it was this, next week it's that. What is he going to do? A little fearful. Programs get reshaped. Some things go away. Other things get raised up, and, and some people get out of sorts with that. They, they feel unsettled by it. Sort of like a friend of mine who is a priest, and uh, He got married just last year. He married late. He was over 40 when he got married. And he married this beautiful girl, precious thing, and heaven knows he needed her in that life of his. And so, uh, and I hope you'll hear this later on some recording, but um, she brought a whole lot of change to his life. They moved into his house because it was the bigger home. And right after they got in the house, she started changing things. She said, you know, wouldn't it be nice if the color were just a little more peppy? And so she painted the outside yellow and painted the front door red, which he did not love. And then she got rid of his smelly chair and ottoman in the den. The dog had pretty much torn him up. She rearranged the bedroom upstairs. She took all of his hunting trophies, which were spread around here and there downstairs, and they all went up to a little study that she created. Constant change. He came to see me one day, and he said, buddy, The marriage is in trouble. I said, that's ridiculous. You haven't been married six months. What are you talking about? He said, yeah, but it's been the hardest six months of my life. And so he sat down and started talking. And he told me this woman that he loves so much. He said, I just didn't realize she was going to have to change so much in my life. Everything, he said, is upside down. And he said, I don't know when it's going to stop. And I said, my friend, welcome to marriage. And it ain't gonna stop. Are you kidding me? But I said, here's the great thing. I said, somewhere along the way, everything that seems upside down now is gonna seem right side up then, because of love. And I said, I gotta tell you something. This girl's doing good stuff in your life. The Lord's using her, even though you hate it. He is using her. And your love for that precious girl is more important than a doggone paint color or what chair you're gonna sit in in the den. And the same's true in God's church. And here at St. Paul's, Tripp's going to do some things you don't like. Because I know that boy, and he's going to do some things you don't like. (laughs) As every rector does. I've done many things my folks have not liked. And some of you are going to feel like the world has been turned upside down. But you do have to remember that God has brought you together for a purpose. And that the love you share in Christ, your common commitment to serve him, is more important than all the little things that might change here and there along the way. Of course, you know, that fear of change is really all about control. We like to be in control. We like to be in charge. We like to call the shots to manage things the way we want to manage them. 20 years ago, St. John's Episcopal Church, the old downtown church in Tallahassee, Florida, called me to come be their rector i was in greenville south carolina never had any thought of living in florida you never know what god's gonna do to you so there i went to florida and they said we want you to come because the church is dying you know it's an old church downtown they're just we're gonna die in another 20 years we want you to come in here and give it new life and bring in new young couples and you know just make it the place it once was and i said i would love to do that. that's exciting business yes so i went And I worked with all my heart to do what they told me they wanted me to do. And all these wonderful new couples, all these young families started coming into the church and getting really involved and doing all kinds of good stuff. But here's the funny thing. The very people who said, hey, come bring new people into the church, were mad at me. And a couple of them wrote me mean letters, and a few of them came to see me at my office, and then a whole group of them got together and had me meet with them. And I was scratching my head and thinking, okay, what is the deal here? And then I realized they they were clear they still did want new people in the church. And they did want them to be sitting in the pews, and they wanted them to put money in the collection plate. But what they didn't want is they didn't want them being on the altar guild, being on the vestry, being heads of committees. They said, all these new people are taking over. They're just taking over. And I said, well, taking over what? This is not some little kingdom we're running here. It's God's church. And they're his people just like you. We're all his people, and we're all under his headship. We're all here to work for him. What do you mean taking over? Christ takes over, and we all submit to him. But what was it? They were losing control. That was the issue. They didn't like it. They were more concerned about their control than they were excited about the new life that God was bringing, that new life that they presumably prayed for. They would rather have seen the church die under their control than live under someone else's. Ain't that something? So Satan will use fear of change and loss of control to undermine God's work. But he uses something else, and I hate this thing when it happens, and I've seen it too often in my own parish. And it's unhealthy competition Between God's people in the same church. I'm not talking about new people. I'm talking about people that have been here for a long time, even who can get in competition. Have you ever seen that? It might not happen in South Carolina. You know, it may just be a Florida thing. But I got to tell you, nothing disappoints me more as the rector of a parish than to discover among my staff or among my people that they've gotten into this little um, fight, this little battle, this competition. In ministry, it just makes no sense whatsoever. But you know how we are, fallen people. Our egos are big, and we can get caught up in in what we want to accomplish and how we want to do things. It, it's called territorialism. I think of um, a children's ministry person I had one time who was awesome. I mean, this is a wonderful uh, older lady who was doing great work with the kids. The parents loved her. I loved her. She's doing so many good things. But she got to this mindset where she thought, you know what? Children's ministry is not just an important thing. It is the important thing. It's more important than anything else happening in this church. And, and so she sort of circled the wagon in a protective way uh, for children's ministry. That became the end all and be all. Uh, it was all about her ministry, and she wanted to make sure that her budget was larger than the other budgets and that nobody used her space and nobody used her supplies. And I'm thinking, I thought it was all for God. You know, I thought we were in the same church doing the same work together. But it wasn't. It wasn't. It became all about her and her ministry. And let me tell you what, there is nothing sadder than that kind of division in the church. What a terrible witness it is to the outside world when God's church becomes divided over the very work of the church. We have to keep the big picture in mind that God is using us all together For a larger purpose than our individual ministries. You know in the book of Romans that lesson we had tonight. Paul reminding us not to pattern ourselves after the patterns of this world. You remember in Romans and a couple of other books. Corinthians Paul talks about not giving ourselves to the mind of this age. But we're to give ourselves to the mind of Christ. We're supposed to be different than that world out there. The world out there squabbles over petty things. They get mad at each other. They backbite. They talk gossip about that's that world. That ain't this world. Why? Because we've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. We've been transformed by the grace of God. And so we're different people. We treat each other differently. We have patience with one another. We bear with one another. We hold up the umbrella of grace for one another. Because we earnestly believe that God is doing an important work among us. And so we stick together for the sake of that work. God can do amazing things through the church if the church will just submit to God. One last thing I want to say. He's awesome. Here's the thing. Uh, We are kind of weird kind of cousins. This is the way it works. His aunt married my uncle, so we share first cousins. Both grew up about seven blocks from each other in Hartsville, South Carolina, but about 30 years ago, we became the closest of friends. Um, standing with each other through all kinds of ups and downs. And here's the thing about Trip. You know, Trip is kind of a man's man. You know, he's an athlete. And he works out a lot, and he fishes, and he hunts, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, but he also, underneath that rugged exterior, has this heart of a wonderful servant. There is such a faithful dedication there uh, to God, um, such a love for God's people. He will pour himself out for you and for the Lord in this parish. Uh, he is the kind of priest that I would want as my priest if I were not serving in a parish. My prayer is that you warmly welcome him as family, as I know he has already begun to welcome you. And I've met some of you, and I can tell you're special people. There's a great love and warmth among you, and I can tell that there has been a long-standing faithfulness in this church. And I pray that God continues to bless this church richly that he binds you up close to one another and to him, that you might show forth his glory in ways that none of us at this moment could even imagine. God bless you. Amen.